When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, folks, welcome back to the No Huddle Show podcast. I'm Eagles beat reporter Mike K, joined by my co-host for a second straight week, fellow Eagles beat reporter Chris Franklin. Chris, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great, Mike. Uh, thank you very much. And I just want to say a quick word to everybody who reached out to me over this last week and emailed, tweeted, messaged me overall. Thank you guys so much for support. It, it, it was just great. Thank you very, very much. You know, I, I think it's easy to support somebody who brings a, a sense of football knowledge to the podcast. Um, you know, obviously losing Zach was a big loss, but um you're much taller than he is, I believe. So I think you can fill his <laughs> shoes. Um, you know, uh, I, I think what's interesting about this swap is, you know, everybody has their own voice and their own strengths and everything. And Zach's one of the best writers I've ever worked with. And I think what's what's great about what you bring to the table is you're so well-rounded and you understand the game so well. So I, I'm interested to see where the the future of this podcast goes. I had so much fun working with Zach. I'm having so much fun working with you. And, you know, we're at this weird stage of our careers where we're covering a pandemic, but from the NFL side. And I think, you know, you coming from news, you know more about the pandemic than most football reporters. So I think having that perspective is really important as we head into the unknown that is, you know, this offseason. So I, I want to get into that kind of a little bit with, with the coronavirus because the Eagles got a bunch of good news to start the week. Uh, we're recording this on a Thursday. Um, this morning, Jordan Melotta was taken off the reserve COVID list. Uh, on Wednesday, Doug Peterson returned to the facility after testing positive for COVID. Mon- uh, Tuesday, Lane Johnson came off the COVID list. On Sunday, Nathan Gary came off the COVID list. Everybody's back, you know, doing what they do. It's business. I wrote it's business as usual, sort of, for the Eagles right now. Um, we're going to get into what those returns mean, obviously, throughout the podcast. We've got a lot. We've got a heavy slate for you guys today. We're going to discuss a few different things. We're going to have some debates on here. We're going to pitch our own uh, players that we want to talk about. Like I said last week, we are reworked and revamped. Our format has completely changed. You'll you'll hear a lot more 
uh, sound bites. We're going to give you a little bit more in-depth game coverage and, and moving forward. Um, we're going to talk about the technical aspects of the game. So Chris is bringing a whole new element to this podcast. Um, I know you guys are used to me more being the analyst uh, than the host, but we're going to hybrid that role moving forward. Um, and the first thing I want to discuss is the plan for training camp. Now, if you remember, uh, the first phase of training camp was strictly strength and conditioning. Guys could, they could, you know, work out um, in bunches and then hit the field for walkthroughs. Uh, they weren't allowed to wear helmets. The, if you watched Hard Knocks earlier this week, you saw that guys were basically in masks pretending to throw the football. Jared Goff was out there hiking the ball and not throwing it. And he was frustrated that he couldn't throw it. That's essentially what was going on. I mean, it's hard to implement an offense or a defense when you can't touch the ball and you can't hit um, and you don't have pads or a helmet on. So that said, now we've entered phase two and the team can start wearing helmets. Doug Peterson's returning just in time uh, for that phase. And so you're going to see them rev up in this period because next week uh, the pads come on and that's a big deal. I, I want to uh, send you to a soundbite of Doug talking about how he plans to handle the physicality of practice. Yeah, I've had uh, obviously a chance to kind of go through the whole schedule. Um, the padded portion, which starts, uh, you know, starts next Monday and then obviously looking forward to that. And, you know, as you guys know, I typically have two days where, um, it's more of a live, controlled, live sort of practice, uh, tackle to the ground. And, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to that schedule. Uh, I'm going to stick to two days uh, of having, um, you know, situational scrimmage type uh, practices. I feel like it's a great way to, uh, to get our, our guys, um, you know, prepared to, 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 game, to game situations, game action. So uh, I'm going to do, do two of those days. So Doug's going to keep it business as usual. That's the term we're using. Um, he's going to have two live active scrimmages. Guys will be able to tackle to the ground. He typically does that every offseason. I think two's enough. The Eagles are going to are allowed to have 14 practices in that third phase of training camp. Uh, it sounds like they're going to have eight to nine practices, which I think is a healthy amount. Um, obviously, this is an unprecedented situation with no preseason. But Chris, what are you looking forward to seeing next week as we, the media, are allowed to attend practices now? Well, the one thing that I really, really am truly excited to see about is how these linebackers start to play when it comes to flowing to the ball and actually when it comes to the live game, how they're going to tackle. They actually get to go against one of the better lines in the league, which I really want to see how they start to fend off some of these blocks. They're not the biggest linebacking core in the group. They have a lot of speed. And they, their instincts, the one good thing I think they have is the instincts they have with Nate Gary, with an, uh, TJ Edwards. I think they can diagnose plays very well. The one thing I really want to see is how they're going to be able to shed those blocks. I mean, you're going to have when, when you're about 225, 230, how are you going to be able to get away from that 290, 300-pound guard that's trying to come down at you? Now, they do have a lot of beef up in the middle up front. When you have Javon Hargrave, when you have a Fletcher Cox, so that should offset some of those blocks. But I want to see how much, how fast they can go ahead and scrape to those holes and shuffle to those holes and able to plug plug it. And also, I want to see how they are able to go ahead and defend 
against the pass when they re- go out to that curl flat area when it comes to the zones. I mean, you have you have Miles Sanders and Boston Scott. You got two different uh, two different great options to go practice against every day to go ahead and get better at that and try to diagnose those plays. But I think when it comes to the linebackers and that battle that you're going to see throughout camp, those I think those two live practices especially they're going to be the most important. It's going to it's going to be really 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 interesting to watch. And I think from my perspective, I, I, I agree completely. I think you know linebacker is a position that we talk about a ton because it's not really a position that has a lot of weight to it right now, right? I mean, we talked about it last week. You know, they're running nickel and dime a lot. And instead of using two linebackers in nickel coverage, they're using an extra safety. Instead of, you know, they're, you know, there's times in dime where they really don't even have a linebacker out there. Nathan Gary's not your prototypical linebacker. He's a former college safety and he's still pretty small. He's like you said, he's in the 220, 225 range. Um, I, I think from my perspective, and I look forward to this every year is the wide receivers versus the cornerbacks, because now you've got an elite cornerback in Darius Slay. Deshaun Jackson's healthy. He absolutely tore up training camp last year. Uh, I'm interested to see that battle, but I'm also really interested to see kind of where Jalen Rager's at in his development. I also want to see him versus Avante Maddox. I think that's a very fun matchup if Avante Maddox is the guy who we believe is going to be the number two cornerback. Um, I wrote about Sidney Jones earlier this week. I'm interested to see how he does. I'm interested to see how Rasul Douglas does. Um, to me, there's so many question marks at wide receiver and cornerback still isn't really figured out yet. You know, I, I think it's interesting. I think they parallel each other. You look at, uh, you've got an elite speed guy into Sean Jackson and an elite corner on one side. So that's, that's going to be a fun matchup to watch. Greg Ward showed a lot of promise in the slot. He's probably going to be the starting slot receiver now that Marquise Goodwin's out of the mix. Uh, Doug Peterson talked him up quite a bit earlier this week. I think his matchups against Nicole Roby Coleman and Craven LeBlanc will be really fun. But then you look at the corner outside the second outside corner spot. And I think what's interesting is, you know, John Hightower, Quez Watkins, Jalen Rager, they all have very good potential, but you don't really know what they're going to be until they're in an NFL setting. And they're going up against three guy, three other guys at cornerback who are trying to prove themselves in Devontae Maddox, Sidney Jones, and Rasul Douglas. So it's kind of, you know, we don't know if either side is iron. You know, they like to say iron sharpens iron. Um, you know, I, I think for me, this is kind of figuring out who's got the iron to sharpen the other iron. And, and I think that's going to be very fun to watch. Um, you know, uh, you brought up competitions. I, I think the safety tight end coverage uh, situations are going to be interesting. Uh, I'm really interested to see, the, you know, what happens when, you know, the pads are on and you can tackle to the ground and you can be physical and you can press uh, the secondary versus the wider, the, the weapons is going to be a fun battle to watch. Definitely. And you brought up a great point when it comes to these wide receivers. I'm going to be really interested also to seeing how well they're able to fight off that press coverage, because if you look at 2019, how many contested, how many times they were contest, had to go up for contested catches? How many times they had a little trouble getting off, fighting off those those chucks within the f- first five yards? I want to see how well, especially these rookie receivers now coming in, getting acclimated to the NFL style of play with these defensive backs. I really want to see how much they can, how well they can actually go ahead and fight off 
these press coverage and, and create some more separation because Carson, Carson Wentz does a little uh, times doesn't like to throw into too much uh, contested situations unless he really truly has to. So I want to see how much separation these guys are able to go ahead and, pro- and produce, especially early on in training camp. Yeah, and you know we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, mention JJ Single Whiteside, who might be facing, who might have like the he and Andre Diller are facing crucial training camps. They really need JJ Single Whiteside to be something this offseason. Nobody's expecting him to be a a full on starter or you know be you know, the number two wide receiver target, but they they need to get some return. This needs to, this can't be another, uh, this can't be Nelson Aguilar's second year. You know what I mean? Yeah. This yeah, has exactly. to be Nelson Aguilar's Super Bowl year. You know, if they can get, if they can get, you know, uh, 40 catches and 400 yards and four touchdowns out of J.J. single Whiteside, I think you feel a little bit better about him. I mean, that's not obviously ideal uh numbers for a second round pick who you're hoping develops into a longtime starter, but at least it's progress. You know what I mean? So um yeah, the bar's set pretty low and he can only go up from here. But now that he's healthy, now that he knows the offense, now that he's a little bit more comfortable, I'm really interested to see how our single white side reacts to everything. Cause last year in camp, he had a pretty decent camp when they didn't have the pads on. And then once the pads came on, he basically disappeared. So uh, I'm interested to see how he relates physically in those practices. Now, we brought up Sidney Jones and Rasul Douglas earlier on uh, in the podcast. I want to take you to a soundbite of Darius Slay, who worked out with Rasul in Texas uh, this off, I believe it was Texas uh, this offseason and and talk about kind of how he's taken Rasul under his wing. Uh, you know, we just work, you know, um, Sue is a great guy, man. He, he's a hard worker, man. Got a lot of jokes. You know, he kind of favored me a little bit. Uh, you know, we just all working. Like I told him, um, I'll teach him everything I know, man. Cause like I said, I'm here to, you need to, I, I want him to be a sponge to me, honestly. You know, I want him to feed off whatever I got, learn everything I came from. Uh, cause I was the same way, same position he was in. You know, I had guys like Rasheem Mathis, Chris Houston, uh, all the guys. Uh, so and I just sponge him, and um, you know, and right now I'm in that vet mode of being in year eight, you know, he in year four, and um, I just want to be able to put him in a, in a situation for help him be the best, the best he could be. So Darius Slay, you know, working with Rasul Douglas is a good sign for Rasul Douglas, especially as Rasul Douglas competes for a starting job. It's nice to know that he already has that rapport with Darius Slay. Now Rasul's got a very outside shot at at um you know, winning a, a starting job like like Rasul, Sidney Jones, his fellow 2017 draft mate. Um, he worked out in Texas with Ronnie Braxton, who works with Will Parks and Chris Harris and Nico Thorpe and New Jets uh, safety uh, uh, Bradley McDougal. Like there's there's a lot of talent that goes to Texas to work out. It's just a a hotbed for that. Unfortunately, it's also a hotbed for coronavirus. But that said, um, you know, I wrote about Sidney Jones earlier this week and and his the lengths that he went to to kind of flip the script on his career. Uh, I want to kind of have a debate here as to who do you think's in a better position for a turnaround? I'll let you debate the first guy. Who who do you got, Rasul or Sidney? First off, I'll say good, great job on the Sydney piece. That, that was great, some great writing on that one. But I'm going to say Rasul Douglas 
And the reason why I'm saying Rasul Douglas, I think when it comes to his aggressiveness, his ability to go ahead and try to go for interceptions, and I also think he's gotten he's proven he can actually stay on the field a lot longer as well, too. I think Rasul Douglas is a better cornerback at this moment in time than Sidney Jones. I think Jones I feel bad for Sidney Jones in a way because I remember that that draft night. Everybody's when the Eagles picked him, it was great, and then he was already hurt, so he had to sit down in a year. Then he came back, and like it, to me, it just looked like he lost some confidence while he was out there on the field. Now I remember reading your piece; you you had said hey, he's got a routine now, and he's feeling better. And I really truly hope for him that he really does stick to this routine, and he on the field he looks a lot better than what he has. I know he made that big play at the end of the year, but I just think right now when I look at Rasul Douglas, I see a person who's willing to be more aggressive. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Rasul Douglas is Darius Slay himself. But I think when you compare the two next to each other, I think Douglas is just a better cornerback at this time. Yeah, I think I think Rasul Douglas has put better stuff on tape. He's also been extremely inconsistent. Uh, Jim Schwartz has been very reluctant to play him. Um, and on top of that, he's not very versatile. Like you look at the way that the Eagles have kind of set up this offseason in this quote unquote positionless secondary, they've made it very clear Rasul can't play safety. They've made it very clear Rasul can't play nickel. Guess who has experience playing all around the secondary? That's Sidney Jones. Granted, they were in spurts because he's always injured. Um, he switched up his diet. He switched up his his stretching routine. He's doing a lot of stuff in, in an effort to stay more durable. Uh, the Eagles have invested a lot in him and Howie Roseman came out earlier this offseason and basically painted a picture of Sidney Jones getting a pass um, for that rookie season, obviously having the Achilles injury and recovering from that. And they view this as his true third year. Uh, I, I think when you look at um, the outlook, I think Sidney Jones is going to get more chances than Rasul Douglas. I also think he has a better opportunity to stick to the roster than Rasul Douglas. But to your point, I think Rasul Douglas has more trade value. And that's also why I think Sidney Jones is more likely to stick around because you could trade Rasul maybe for another player uh, at a position of need. Um, so I'm going with Sidney Jones here. Uh, you guys, if you if you want to comment in on the YouTube page or uh, in reviews, please let us know who you side with. Um, I, I think that's the two guys are going to be an interesting competition to watch because I don't know really if either can surpass Avante Maddox as the number two cornerback, but I do think this is a much closer competition than maybe some want to acknowledge uh, between the two because I don't think both stick around this year. If if the Eagles get some trade interest elsewhere. Now, you know, we talked about guys who have a lot to prove. I wanted to kind of send you to a, a soundbite of Brandon Graham talking about Derek Barnett, who was also in that 2017 draft class with Sidney Jones and Rasul Douglas. Oh, yeah. You know, we talk about that all the time. You know, you can only control what you can. Stay away from social media because everybody going to say what they going to say. But when you making them plays, man, you can make them eat them words. And that's I, I feel like that's where he is right now. He's going to try to make everybody eat those words and let them know uh, that he's valuable. And, you know, he's uh, uh, going to be a great addition uh, to this year, you know, of, of having him back and having him healthy. And, you know, uh, I, I'm just excited for him because, you know, he really does. Uh, has that edge and 
that guy, and he loves to run to the ball. He has a motor, too. And, man, I'm just excited for him because this is his first offseason going into the season yeah. without having to deal with injuries. So, um, watch out for DB. So, Graham thinks that Barnett's going to have a big year. I thought that that was like a good segue to our next debate, or at least our next segment. Um, who will be the most improved player in camp, in your opinion, uh, Chris? While I do think Barnett is def- is going to have a better year than he did, he's got Matt Burke's ear. Right, uh, he's going to have he's going to be listening to Matt Burke. I think a little bit. It's always nice to have a new voice to try to find little ins and outs. But I think the person on the other side of the line is going to be able to go have a better year, and that's Andre Dillard. I think in the limited amount of time that he came in to step in when Peters was hurt and playing that left side, and and that uh the. I don't want to use debacle, but it, I'll be honest. Say it was debacle when he was in the right on the right side that time. I think that Dillard, with a whole off season, knowing that he's the guy, knowing that he's going to be lined up on the left side, I think he's going to improve. I think he's going to revert back to his college I think he's just going to be he's going to have his footwork down. I think he's going to know that he don't have to worry about. Well, I'm having to go ahead and be behind Jason Peters. I'm going to have to go ahead and try to prove myself later on. I think knowing that he's the guy, knowing that he's going to be working next to Sayamalu and he can build that rapport with him, he's going to have a lot, he's going to basically perform a lot better than what he showed last year. So I think Diller's going to have a, I think Diller's going to have a serviceable year. I think a, a, a good year overall. Well, what about you? Who do you think is going to have the most improved year? I think Josh Sweat's a guy who really is intriguing to me. He's going to be put in a position to be the first guy off the bench at the defensive end position. Um, You know, I I think he's a guy that continues to mature as he gets used to this role that he's in. You know, for those who don't realize, when he was at FSU, he was a raid and react defensive end in a 3-4 front. I thought he was poorly used in that front because he's extremely athletic. Um you know, in the wide nine, he just gets to attack. And I think as he's gotten used to that, as he's gotten healthier, as he's gotten more adjusted physically, I just think the sky's the limit. I think he's going to be a starter by next year. Uh, he, You know, if Barnett starts off poorly, Sweat could overtake him. I, I, I could see that genuinely happening. I think his upside is there as an athlete. So um, I'm going to go with Josh Sweat. I think he's going to turn some heads. I think he's going to have some matchups against your guy Dillard. Um, I think he's going to be marginally improved at worst. I, I think like you're going to see some real flash from Josh Sweat. Um, cool. So, you know, we were talking about both lines here. And so I think that's a good segue to talk about Jason Peters and Jalen Mills, two guys who are transitioning into new positions after spending a long time at other positions. Here's Jason Kelsey on working with Jason Peters at right guard. Jason Peters, I mean, I don't know, you know, where you're going to find that wealth of knowledge, experience, leadership, um, ability to play the game. Um, you know, I was hoping we were going to bring him back regardless of what happened to Brandon Brooks. So uh, the fact that he's playing right guard for us and and still on the team, still able to, to bring the experience and leadership that he has um, and just, you know, just being the great teammate he is, um, I think that. You know, I speak for everybody that we're really excited to see how this move goes. Uh, it's been really fun to work with him. Uh, obviously, we've played, you know, nine years together at center and left tackle, but now being right next to him and ironing out the little details that go with playing next to somebody and, 
you know, what happens with your footwork and, and how you're going to hit a specific block and what you're thinking on this play, you know, how you're thinking of attacking this. Uh, these are all the things that we're going to continue to iron out throughout camp here. And um, it's been, you know, a, actually a really engaging and fun uh, experience for, uh, for, for both JP and I. So, Chris, you know, we've got Peters, we've got Mills. Who do you think has to step up? Who, who's in a more important spot to step up and make that position switch work between Peters and Mills? I definitely think it's Peters who's going to have to step up a lot because, you know, the shortest path to the quarterback is a straight line. And when you're playing guard right now, switching over from Jason, Jason Peters, switching over to guard, he's got to learn a whole new stance. When you're, for a good majority of your career, you're standing with your left foot back, right foot up, and you're used to kicking out that left leg, going ahead and, and trying to protect the quarterback. It, it becomes second nature in a way. I don't think that Peters is going to have trouble knowing the line assignments because he'll be set, he's being in an offense for so long. I think he's going to be all right when it comes to knowing, okay, you got this guy, you got this guy. I think uh, one thing he's going to definitely have to adjust for is when it comes to his footwork. And then, as Jason Kelsey mentioned also earlier in the uh, where we talked to him this week, I think when it comes to the passing off of the linemen, they, they say they need to approve upon that. So when it comes to the zone running scheme, when it comes to that pass protection especially, I think Jason Peters is going to have to go ahead and learn how to get that footwork and know how to go ahead and pass it along. Do I wash them all the way down to Jason? Do I kick them out or back over the lane? And just trying to get that flow of, the little nuances that each one of them goes ahead and use. So I think Peters will be the one who has the uh, who ha- who will have to go ahead and adjust. I think Mills Mil- Mills for Mills is he he played safety before, so he has that outlook. So I, I don't think it'll be too much of a switch for him to go ahead and switch it from corner to safety. But I think Peters definitely has to a uh, the bigger role, and uh and, and will have maybe I think a beginning a little bit of trouble for a couple weeks, but after that I think he'll fit in fine. So I'm going to go with Mills here, mainly because I think when you look at who he's replacing and who he has behind him to replace him, you know, you look at Malcolm Jenkins, he was used all throughout the secondary. He was the leader of the secondary. He was a guy that they could use in multiple roles. They could have him play dime linebacker. They could have him play strong safety, free safety, nickel corner, everywhere. Mills is going to have to move around. And, you know, now with Darius Slay moving around to to face the top wide receiving option or receiver option in general, there's going to be times where he covers the tight end and and Mills is going to have to move to the outside and play his old role at cornerback. They're going to have put a lot on Mills. And I, I just think like if he's a failure in that role, it'll show up immediately and it'll be uh, a very big deal. Like when you look at Peters, at least he has Matt Pryor behind him, a guy who has upside, who can play the position. Um, we both like Kayvon Wallace's potential. We both like Will Parks, but it, it, there's still an unknown of whether they can handle that position in this defense, right? So I, I, I think I'm going to go with Mills on that one. Um, let's transition to our weekly segment where, during training camp, the sleeper spotlight. Who's a guy that that you think we're sleeping on that, we should be talking about more of as we get into camp and into the roster cuts and everything like that. I think where we're sleeping on is uh Sean Bradley. I mean, yeah, this you're guy, like obsessed with this guy. I, 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 this guy, I, I've, I've had a lot of time to look over him and I think there's two guys really Dante, Dante Olson and Sean Bradley. Cause 
when I, I I've seen Sean Bradley a lot when covering Temple, and this is not a homer bias. This is definitely actually just looking looking at film and seeing him up close and playing. The man can run from sideline to sideline. I think which is important. I think he's going to be great on special teams as well too. Coming from a school that values special teams, that seems to keep him around in the NFL. The plot players around on special special teams. I think he'll be valuable on that. And when it comes to this diag, when basically, sorry, I use this over time, but the diagnosis play reading what's going to reading reacting what's going to happen. I think anybody can put on weight the five ten pounds, which I'm hoping the strength and, tr- and strength and conditioning coaches are doing to build some muscle on that. I truly think over time. I know they don't really use the whole th- traditional three linebacker, three, three linebacker setup. They use a lot of the nickel when it goes a lot of nickel. But I think he can go ahead and line up next to Gary for the next, like say, two three years. Eventually, not this year. I think TJ Edwards and stuff is a role, but I think he's going to have a valuable time when it comes to be on this roster for a little bit. Say at least three four years. I think he's that kind of guy, almost like an Ike Reese type of guy. I see a lot of Ike Reese in Sean Bradley. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, no, I mean, look, hey, look. That's an interesting comparison. So he's going to play a lot of special teams. Um, yeah. So, huh. You know, I've been trying to think of a guy, you know, as you were talking, because uh, I forgot to initiate some, uh, you know, some shop talk. I forgot to put this in the rundown. Um, but I'd say the guy that I'm most interested to watch is Nate Herbig, because he's a guy who they brought in. He was a right guard at Stanford. He was the youngest guy on the team by by several months last year. Um, really kind of just transition. Jason Kelsey took him under his wing. Uh, Brandon Brooks took him under his wing. I'm just interested to see what progress he makes, because, you know, look, Jason Kelsey's entering the twilight of his career. Or he's in the twilight of his career. And they need to have a center in place for when he inevitably retires. And if Herbig can be that guy who who has a completely different body type, a completely different game than Jason Kelsey, it's going to be intriguing to see what happens there. Um, but I think he's going to be a guy to watch as we, we move forward into training camp. And with that said, let's let's close this out with our final thoughts. What do you got for us, Chris? Uh, I'm a man who when he's wrong, he's wrong. And I'm going to issue this apology to Jalen Rager. I was one of the people when sitting here in the newsroom watching on draft night when C.D. Lamb was picked and then Jalen Rager's name came up. I, I was like, why? Just why, why? Why did they have to go this well? But then I stopped. And over the last month, I've just been going ahead and watching film for a lot of these guys from college. I've been going ahead and just watching old games and stuff like that. And. I got to say, I'm actually excited about Jalen Rager. Uh, I think what he could possibly bring to this offense, where he line in the backfield, whether it be the slot, even on the outside as well, too, it's going to be really intriguing. I think he really opens up this offense even more. I think he's going to provide more spacing for this offense. And his presence on the field, once he gets comfortable with the offense, I think is going to open up even more for guys like Goddard and Ernst down that middle. And possibly maybe Jeffrey, so that, uh, Deshaun, so that way they won't have to roll over into a cloud or have a safety help over that one. I think he's going to open up more one-on-one opportunities for a lot of these guys. So, Jalen, if you listen to this podcast, I'm sorry. I'm looking forward to what you can do during training camp and the upcoming 2020 season. So – I spoke with Maurice Jones-Drew, the former Jaguars and Raiders running back last week, and was talking to him about Miles Sanders, and he brought up some great points that included stuff about Jalen Rager. 
you know, we assume that defenses are immediately going to respect the speed that the Eagles have brought in this offseason. But Jones Drew said something interesting. He said, you know, speed's one thing, but if guys aren't making catches, it doesn't matter. If you go back and look, you know, Matt Collins was getting down the field pretty regularly when he was basically used as a decoy throughout like the majority of last year before he was cut. Um, and he had speed, but he wasn't making catches. So nobody really respected him in coverage. So Jalen Rager and John Hightower and, and Quez Watkins are all going to need to make plays immediately for them to open up the tackle box and, and create room for, you know, Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz, but most importantly, the running game. And I think, you know, Jones Drew can relate to Miles Sanders and the fact that they were both second round picks, both had really promising rookie years. And then Jones Drew brought up the fact that he had to wait like several weeks to score a touchdown in his second year. He was gung ho about killing it in his second year. And, you know, defenses adjusted, you know, they, they knew what, what he brought to the table after making some noise his rookie year. And so Miles Sanders is going to have to deal with the fact that defenses now know what he can do as both a receiver and a runner. Um, I think that Sanders is a guy who can be a workhorse back. So does Deuce Staley. Um, But I also think he's going to deal with some crowded boxes if those rookies can't make plays immediately. And that's a concern of mine as we move forward uh, in training camp. I want to be able to see Jalen Rager really attack this offense. And I think that's kind of unfair with expectations when you look at how difficult it has been historically for wide receivers to, you know, spring into action as rookies. You know, every year there's two guys who really make a lot of plays. Last year, there were a bunch of them, uh, but it's not that simple. And I'm curious to see what happens with Hightower and Watkins and obviously Rager. So that's kind of where I'm at entering training camp. You know, this is a a unit it's not just you know Miles Sanders is going to go out there and torch the league he does need help and that help needs to come from a lot of young guys who are unproven who need to make plays well that's going to do it for us for the no huddle show podcast Chris thanks for joining me uh if you guys uh download podcast we are available pretty much anywhere you can download a podcast Give us a five-star rating. Uh, Give us some feedback. If you're watching on YouTube, please uh, send us your comments. If you have any questions, hopefully we can get to them for the next episode. We'll see you soon.